For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Mental Game. I'm Larry McGuire, coach and psychologist and writer at theperformatist.com and here on The Mental Game. This show is primarily concerned with the psychology of human performance and how we can use what we've learned through uh, over 100 years of study and research into human behavior, uh, how we can find work that engages and fulfills us, perhaps for a lifetime. Uh, too many of us, it seems, are at odds with our work, were disengaged, were unfulfilled, underappreciated, neglected. Uh, we feel like cogs in the machine of the commercial enterprise. I know this because you've told me. I know this because in research that I've done, people have reported to feel this way, and not just a few. We're talking 30 to 40% of respondents in a couple of different studies I've done, one particularly was particularly ad hoc, but uh, one recently published, uh, where people have, have said these very things. And I think that's a shame because we've only got one life. And if we're not doing work that engages and fulfills us, well, maybe we're wasting the time we've been given. So what's prompted me to create this show and the performatives is to deliver you material that can help you find clarity and direction in your work, to finally choose work that makes you uh, engaged and fulfills you and that's what it's about so if you're interested in finding out more uh, how the psychology of performance can help you improve your work find work that you enjoy and uh, allow your performer to a high level well then you're in the right place i'm larry mcguire thanks for listening in and here comes today's episode to talk to you a little bit about leadership and I think it's an important topic within the, to the overall topic of performance because leadership comes into play as soon as another person comes into the picture so when we talk about commanding your own work which is essentially the main thrust of the argument or the main philosophy behind working for yourself uh, on the performatist and here on the Mental Game podcast. To command your own work, you're not working in a vacuum. You, you will always work, find yourself working with others, whether you've been hired in or whether you're hiring them into you, uh, whether you're working on a, on a project together, whether you're in sport, whether you're in business, whether you're in um, a charitable enterprise, whatever it happens to be. Leadership comes into play, sport as well, obviously. And you lead by your example. And leadership is not necessarily what you do. It's more about who you are and the person that you bring in. It's a combination of things. It's about your thought about yourself, your, your beliefs about the world and how it operates, your philosophy and your own internal thesis on human behavior, whether you've given the time to really consider these things or not. 
leadership is a product of who you bring to your work or your sport. And it's critical to understand yourself in, in order to lead properly. If your motivations are towards material ends, for example, you know, winning the game or uh, winning a business or making a million or whatever, if, if, that's the, if that's the target, your leadership skills are likely to be less than effective long term. I mean, if I take myself as an example, I grew up with the uh, understanding, the explicit and implicit understanding that leadership was about barking orders and getting blokes to do what I wanted them to do. Now, that's not unusual given how I grew up and where I learned how to work, which was in the construction industry. The construction industry, the world over, is an authoritative system. It's a hierarchical system. It's a, it's a system where I tell you what to do, you go and do it and don't ask questions. And that philosophy tends to run through work for a lot of people. You know, you go to work and, and you work for a boss and your boss gives you orders or tells you what to do. And there are certain rules and regulations that your business will, your company will have to adhere to and all of this. But uh, by and large, uh, they tell you what to do and you have to go and do it within certain boundaries. You've got freedoms, but your freedoms are fairly curtailed, in my opinion. Um, so leadership some believe that leadership is about getting people to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do on their own and that that's true if you if you work in a hierarchical system like the construction industry um but it doesn't have to be that way but the business world the neoliberal capitalist ideal which is driven by profit which is driven by winning the game that's number one at all costs win the game because if your organization doesn't win the game if it's not profitable it ceases to be a viable entity and the revenue commissioners or the what are they in the u.s i don't know um the revenue services will come and shut you down or your creditors will shut you down courts will shut you down shut you down so it's kill or be killed doggy dog that's the business world that's the world we live in and although we like to think of ourselves as altruistic and caring and all that kind of stuff that's fine in in the in the realms of business and capitalist industry you've got to be prepared to sell your kids walk all over your grandmother in order to make a profit in order to be a viable entity that's the game whether we like it or not so leadership within that sort of structure is very much dictatorial and not really good for human beings and i was talking about myself in the construction industry um, that was my belief and it worked for a while but then it didn't work and when the shit hit the fan the shit hit the fan big time and people who worked for me really weren't engaged in the work they were doing the work because they got paid and that was the that was the culture that I built that was the culture that the construction industry demands of organisations does it have to be that way? probably not I don't believe that it's possible to run an organization very different to that uh, within the construction industry. So that was my belief, and I had to learn the hard way, and I did. Um, and um, today my ideas of, of leadership have changed. But I wanted to uh, highlight a story for you uh, 
with regard to this kind of do it or else leadership idea that exists still today, but it was even more so in the 70s and 80s and even before that. Um, and in one particular case, the case of uh, Ford and their Ford Pinto from the late 60s, uh, highlights this to an extreme degree, but um, it's important to look at these particular cases because it shows you how far we're willing to go to fulfil the capitalist ideal and how leadership works in that kind of environment. I should say that it's impossible, in my opinion, to take living, breathing organisms such as human beings, put them into a fake plastic environment like the business world or into jobs and expect them to be healthy. It just doesn't work. And time and time again, this has been proven to be so. And what we do to try and counter that is we come up with these uh, these clever uh, interventions and ideas about how we can make the workplace better for people. And really, it's not about people. It's about making workers more productive, um, decreasing staff turnover, and making the business more profitable than it already is. A business won't. Show me somewhere where I'm wrong. Please give me an example of where a business gives up its profit for the sake of its employees or its customers or the environment. It just doesn't happen. Time and time again, we see that corporations, large and small, will do their damnedest to get away from spending money on what in, in what it deems as unnecessary ways because it serves its shareholder interest first. It must be profitable and it, it seeks ever-increasing profits. That's how it works. And it might seem that uh, I'm, I'm bashing business on the head here a bit, but I'm not bashing. Doing business itself is not a problem, but doing business in a particular way is a problem. And our, the, the, the people that we bring to the business world, in other words, us, and how we operate and what we believe and our, our, the execution of our values in the workplace is critical in this. And we can do it better. We absolutely can. But currently we don't do it very well and people are sacrificed towards those material ends. That's just the way the world works at the moment. So back in the late 60s, mid 60s, Ford uh, were under increasing pressure from Japanese imports, um, cheap Japanese imports. And they figured they had to do something about this. So they came up with the Pinto, Ford Pinto. And um, the gas tank in the Pinto was, as it turned out, not built very well. In fact, it was very dangerous. And in crash tests, they figured out that uh, in rear-end collisions, they were going to have problems. Gas tank was going to combust, or was a serious chance of it combusting. And they knew this, and they also knew that it would take about 8 or $10, something like that, at the time, to fix each gas tank. And not a huge amount when you consider the price to build a car. Okay, it was a lot more expensive back in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. But that apparently, from the research that I've done on it, that's how much it was going to cost to fix the problem. Line the tank with rubber or the outside of it or whatever. Anyway, Ford decided in their infinite wisdom that that was not good enough. That it would impact their profits to too high an extent 
And so they said, right, let's run with it and we'll deal with the consequences. Right? Insane stuff. But this happens all the time. We shouldn't be surprised when we see the likes of Volkswagen hiding emission emission levels, the true emission levels of its vehicles uh, from um, regulators. We shouldn't be surprised when Boeing decide to hide the truth about the 737 MAX from the people who fly it. We shouldn't be surprised when we see oil spills in the Gulf because BP have cut safety budgets two, three, four years in a row, which is what happened in all those cases. So anyway, they decided, right, we're going to go with it. And the lead on this was a guy called Lee Aikoa. Aikoa, have I got that right? Cokia, I think something like that. Anyway, he was a he was a big head in the business world, very highly respected, and all this kind of stuff. He was uh, he was brash, he was loud, he was unapologetic. He was the quintessential red tie wearing rock star uh, CEO. And uh, safety measures got in the way of business, as far as he was concerned. And he and his board members decided, no, we're not making these changes. We're going with this Pinto, and we'll deal with the consequences. And they fought their liability to the end degree. People were killed, maimed, burnt terribly in uh, uh, road collisions as a result of being rear-ended and these gas tanks exploding. Um, And they fought the whole way until eventually, I think, they they were fined loads of dollars. But that didn't get uh, bring those people back who died horrifically in those car accidents or... or, uh, heal the wounds of people who were burnt. Um, so despicable stuff. Um, and it goes on, even like at, you might say, a trivial level. My wife brings back this kind of cheese spread from the supermarket and I'm looking at it and go, oh yeah, that's that's that looks I'll give that a go. So we'll try it. It's nice. And here on the bottom, I feel, I, I'm looking at it, so there's a decent amount in that. And then I feel on the bottom of it has a false bottom. So the, the, the actual bottom of the tub is about a quarter of an inch higher than the actual when you look at it on the outside so they just they build a tub to kind of fool the public that there's more in the packet than there actually is and they do that with meat as well so if you look at the meat how it's packaged i don't know how it is in your country but where i'm from you'll see in this twin pack of steaks right for example in the supermarket one steak that's on on display it's a reasonable size and then under the label there's another steak which is about 20 percent less in size than the other one you know this kind of stuff and um Supermarkets are a dab hand at getting pulling the wool over our eyes. Yeah, where else does it happen? I mean, it, profiteering happens everywhere. Uh, we're we're talking now about inflation at the moment and how high it is, and businesses have decided to, to take advantage of that and put up their prices. They do it all the time. Like, they they think we're stupid. We're we're not. Like we see this stuff going on, but the leaders in business decide that this is a good strategy because, as I said. If you run a business, your obligation is to be profitable for your shareholders and everybody else. And so you take every opportunity to be profitable, even if it means sacrificing a few customers or, or maybe even killing a few, you know. Um, it is what makes the world of business so uh, utterly depressing to me, uh, in a sense, but also um, disappointed because we can do a lot better than that. and. Going back to commanding our own work, because that's what we're talking about here. If you're going to do that, you've got to set your values and your principles first. 
What are your values? Jot them down. Decide what they are. Take a couple of days to have a discussion with your uh, business advisor or business coach or whoever it is you're working with or your board of directors or your people and decide what your values are and lay them down and let them guide you. Let them guide your decisions. And when you're stuck on something, you've got to make a business decision. Go back to your values and ask yourself what your values would, what way your values would point you. I think it's it's critical to do that. Um, in the article published yesterday, Sunday, on the performatist, it's titled "The Ugly Face of Unethical Leadership." I'm talking about this guy Lee Icove. I'm glad I can't pronounce his name, because to pronounce his name is to give him legitimacy, and um, I'd rather not. Well, I suppose writing the article has done that, but however. Uh, I write about this story. I've given a few links in the article to uh, further information on it. And I've included some information also on uh, how we can counter this and how to cultivate ethics, uh, good ethical decision-making in in business. Um, One of those pieces of information is an article in Harvard Business Review from 2016 where... um, a professor of psychology at University of California, uh, Dr. Keltner, uh, suggests that uh, successful, powerful people are more likely to engage in unethical behavior than those with less power. Uh, 20 years of research in human behavior has shown him that while usually people advance to positions of authority um, through behaviors such as empathy and fairness and collaboration, etc., uh, they, they tend to fade as soon as they get promotions. And then a sense of privilege takes over and selfishness. And he suggests that uh, these abuses, iconic abuses of power, such as Enron and Lehman Brothers, etc., are extreme examples of unethical behavior where power just becomes all-consuming. Uh, and all companies, big and small, are, are susceptible to that. So the first step in... Uh, to do something about that, the first step is to increase a greater sense of self-awareness in ourselves and uh, appreciate that our actions are, are far-reaching, have far-reaching consequences. Um, research has shown that thinking about our thoughts and reflecting on our feelings and emotions can give rise to greater control of our actions. For example, recognition of feelings of euphoria, joy and confidence can engage parts of our brain to help us keep in check irrational behavior uh, based on those feelings. It also helps us with negative sensations and feelings such as anger and aggression when things don't work out. Keltner suggests that we can build this self-awareness through meditation and mindfulness practices. Uh, And research shows that even just a few minutes a day spent in a quiet space focused on, let's say, a repetitive breathing pattern, for example, can lead to greater focus and control, calmness under pressure, etc. And we can practice this throughout our day as well. For example, in between tasks, you take time to just pause and put a, place a gap between your activities. Take a few deep breaths and think about the next task and how you would like it to go and how not only for yourself but for others involved and then proceed. We can get too caught up in our stuff to do, you know, killing our to-do list and we barely have a moment between these activities for example you could uh, 
instead of if you're going to a sales meeting or going to to an event or something like that before you jump out of your car and run in the door just take a couple of minutes to pause and think about where you just were what you just did um how that affected other people involved and what's next now where am i going now how is what i'm going to do now going to affect the people i relate to what results would i like to see from that and move on um you've got to practice empathy gratitude and generosity as well now this isn't a fake sense of gratitude this is genuine gratitude and in order to feel genuine gratitude we have to practice these self-reflection uh, exercises um Keltner emphasizes the importance of human factors such as empathy, empathy, gratitude, and generosity. And he says um, that uh, results show that this benevolent kind of leadership has a positive impact not only on the people around us but on our business in general. And he says that when these attributes of leadership are executed authentically, they bring about a sense of unity in the team and organization. Makes sense, right? Because everybody is in a, in a comfortable place. They don't operate from fear. And that's what this do-it-or-else form of leadership uh, tends to bring about. A sense of uh, closed, uh, self-protective strategies come into play. We don't want to stick our neck out because we know we're going to get slapped. So everybody stays within themselves, self-protecting. Like in the construction industry, everybody's covering their own back. Nobody wants to take a risk. Nobody wants to uh, show their softer side because if you do that, you'll be eaten up. And that's how that operates. Ruling with an iron fist, Keltner says, um, might get things done, but at a cost. Uh, instead, we need to show appreciation, tolerance, understanding, and generosity. Um, and that can lead to a higher level uh, employee engagement and productivity. Um, so Keltner suggests six things he says listen with your ears your eyes and your body so put the blinkers on convey genuine interest and engagement so instead of thinking about all these other things or your particular goal in this event listen to your employee the person standing right in front of you and take on board what they're saying number two when someone comes with a problem try to empathize with them and use the language of understanding from an honest perspective. Take on board what's being said. And instead of giving them an answer, and this is an important bit, because a lot of people, we, tr we were trained into looking for solutions from other people. So instead of, as a, as a leader in your business or your work or sport or whatever, instead of being inclined to giving someone an answer, ask questions that would promote their own thinking and reflection on possible solutions. So what I used to do was, I would say to my guys, probably one of the few things I did right, don't come to me with a problem without at least one possible answer. And so it, it encourages people to think, you know, but also um, you've got to allow them the space to get it wrong. That's critical. Uh, number three from Keltner, recognize good work when you see it, no matter how small. Send them a mail, give them a pat on the back, just recognize that what they've been doing is good and face to face is always better. Um, publicly acknowledging someone's work number four uh, that really uh, helps people come along and feel freer and um, more comfortable taking a chance number five from Keltner delegate high level responsibilities 
You don't have to do it all yourself. And then number six, avoid taking the credit. Be humble. Now, this is really difficult for those of us who have made a habit uh, uh, or a life out of taking credit or wearing the red tie, so to speak. You know, if you're a Donald Trump, well, then maybe this material isn't for you. Um, maybe leadership isn't for you. But if you're inclined to step back and let other people take the credit, well, then you're on your way as far as Keltner is concerned. Um, just some final thoughts on this, um, and I've expressed it, I think, very clearly throughout this episode, is that the, the capitalist imperative is very strong. It's a, it's a strong field of force. And when we enter it, it doesn't take much for us to be sucked in and for it to influence, to a negative degree, our own attitudes and behaviours. So we've got to stay centred in ourselves. We've got to centred in ourselves, but not from a narcissistic perspective. We've got to have a, a, a worldview that's open and inclusive rather than closed and dictatorial. That's what good leadership looks like. The Ford Pinto case serves as testimony, in my opinion, to how unethical leadership, unethical decision making can lead to obscene circumstances and obscene outcomes where we sacrifice human beings and the environment for the sake of profit. And that's just that's short term thinking. And it gets us nowhere fast. It might make us look good in the short term, but really long term, is that what we want? Well, I, I certainly don't want that. And if you're on the same page as me, if you want to command your own work effectively, well, then you've got to get the old leadership thing boxed off. And uh, it takes work, you know. So um, what else did I have to say today? You can read this article, incidentally, uh, on the performatist.com. It's at the top of the the, the list there under articles uh, went out on Sunday and um, over the next couple of weeks I'll have a few more articles on leadership coming to you um, probably about three or four I'll share those with you these articles were published about a year ago on another site of mine I wrote them uh, on the back of some material that I was studying and uh, the material really caught a hold of me and um, it kind of it, these topics tend to bleed into each other and they're all uh, self-reinforcing. So when I talk about culture and leadership and, and I talk about uh, taking time for self-reflection self or uh, any other aspect of high performance and work or sport, all of these things are important, but they're not standalone. They, they don't exist in a vacuum. Um, they all bleed into one another and they help when we focus on them. And that's why when I talk about being a member of PEAK, the community centered around commanding our own work, when I talk about um, being a member of PEAK and, and reaching PEAK performance in our work and sport, it means a focus on ourselves, but not from a narcissistic perspective. It's a focus on ourselves, but also an understanding of how other people work. So when we go into those environments where we have to work with others, that the results are more likely to be beneficial to everybody. So we're not we're not focused on our own success. That's the complete opposite, in fact, to what we're talking about here. It's about working in such a way that everybody benefits. You know, I, I firmly believe that working the way we work, the predominant situation that we find in the workplace is damaging and unhealthy to human beings and we've got to find another way 
I believe that first and foremost, working for ourselves, commanding our own work and working for ourselves effectively is a route to that. And I hope you think too, think so too. If you would like to uh, find out more about how you can be more effective in your work, get over to peak.humanperformance.ie. There's a link in uh, the top menu bar on the performances.com. Join Peak. Hit that and you'll see how to get involved in that community. It's brand new. You'll be in from very early on. But we're hoping to build something that's meaningful and effective for everybody. So uh, I hope you'll check it out. That's all I've got for you this week on The Mental Game. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Uh, that's all I have for now. All right. Mind yourselves and take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.